Welcome back to Enlightened Relationships. I'm Lindsay K. Porter, and if you missed last week's episode, you will want to take a listen because we spoke about a New Testament parable taught by Jesus that really focused on our inner foundation, whether we are building our foundation on rock or sand. This week, we're going to talk about expectations as we continue to live in isolation. Are you sick and tired of your life and relationships being so difficult, resulting in that endless frustrating cycle of directing, correcting, and ordering the people in it, ultimately draining you of your happiness? So how are people like you and I, who care and are willing to invest in our relationships, people who are willing to take ownership of our behaviors and actions, how are we able to make the changes necessary to create intentional relationships? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Lindsay K. Porter, and welcome to Enlightened Relationships. Hi, everyone. I am really excited to be with you today and to share my thoughts and views on expectations. And as we are in times of isolation and social distancing and experiencing a lot of family isolation, I can speak only from my experience, but in my home, there tends to be a rise in expectations, some of which are visible and others invisible to us. So I really wanted to spend some time talking about expectations. I'm going to start with an experience that will kind of tie back into a prior episode where I introduced the FTE strategy, the first time endeavor strategy. So if you missed that episode, that I believe was episode number 22, and um, you may want to go back and listen to that because I really dive into each of the four steps in greater detail. So starting off with this story, um, my children that are in school, I have three of my four children that are in school, and for the last couple of weeks, we have been doing remote learning. Um, The first week was just learning by mom, doing the best that she could with what tools and resources I had available to me. And that was interesting. Uh, And each week, as this has evolved over time, what's been expected has evolved. So we started with mom's school. And I have to say, my children were actually thoroughly impressed and now wish we could go back to that state. So I am just taking a moment to celebrate a success. Um, But I'll tell you, I think the reason why it was so successful is because it was less demanding. Um, My children have evolved from one remote learning style where they were able to download some packet information and do some pages. And this week we're doing a new style of learning using Google Classroom. And it has been very eye-opening, a lot of pain and frustration experience with my children. And all of it resides around this expectation of this first-time endeavor. It's our first time using Google Classroom. The teachers and the school, that we're all figuring this stuff out together. 
and it comes with some pain points. And that's okay. I've had my children struggle using the new system, this new approach. There's limited instruction in how to navigate it. And everyone is trying to do their best. So with this opportunity, I have been able to really go into normalizing the discomfort for my children. You know, understand that this is the first time we are endeavoring this experience and we might not all know what we're doing yet. Really put it into perspective that this is not going to be necessarily the permanent way that we're going to continue to do this. It may evolve over time. And at some point we're going to look back and go, hey, Google Classrooms isn't that hard or that challenging. Managing expectations. I've appreciated that the teachers have really shared when frustration and pain comes with the experience, it's time to take a break and encouraging them to do so. So we're all on this learning curve together and trying to do hard things. And it's okay if we need to be frustrated and if we're more ornery or short with our learning time. And last but not least is faith, knowing that this experience is happening for us and not to us, and that it is for a purpose and a reason, and it will serve us as we are becoming who we are meant to be. Having that faith, knowing that we are capable of handling whatever comes in our path and trusting it's for our good. So it's been really interesting using that FTE strategy with my own children in helping, if you will, to manage those expectations. In our home, I've seen an increase of invisible expectations on the rise. And that is really in relation to the way we see someone showing up, what they what they say, what they do, and how they act is not meeting a quote-unquote perceived mark, and it's causing frustration, upset, and anger. So this tends to be on the rise, you know, while we continue to be in this family isolation experience. And when those emotions are the ones that are being experienced, not going to lie, it's a trigger for me. And it causes me great pain and frustration. And then the yelling mom comes out. And that is not one that's not who I like to be or what I want to experience or what I want our family to remember of this time that we have together, this unique situation. And so, you know, as I observe this, I I look at, you know, the sibling and parent relationship or sibling to sibling relationship and where these invisible expectations may, may reside. That might be with the screen time that our children have, learning time, free time or downtime. I know in our home, we're experiencing a lot of boredom eating, where I see my children and myself included um, going into the pantry or to the fridge because there's nothing else to do. So why not eat? You know, even expectations around cleaning of our home. And as it comes to partnerships with your spouse, there's these sometimes expectations and invisible expectations of helpfulness or support that we're feeling. I shared with you guys how expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. Why is this? 
Why are expectations, resentments waiting to happen? Well, I've been doing some pondering and reflecting on my own. And where I've landed is we are measuring what someone else is doing or not doing based on our lens, our perspective of the world we're living in. And it's causing the contention and misery in our own homes. And I don't know about you, but contention and misery is not where I want to live. And it has been a struggle. So when we really think about where our perspectives come from or our perception comes from, it comes from our life experiences. And none of our experiences are the same. In fact, I had a post on social media this week specific to my son, my youngest boy, and you know, he was seeing his siblings on their Chromebooks doing some learning time. And in his little experience, he came to me and said, mom, let's go to the library so I can play on the computer there. That was what he was wanting to do is to play on a computer at the library. And I had to spend some time helping him see or understand the current environment or world we're living in with this social distancing and having to stay home. As I started to go down that path with him, all of a sudden his little brain started to go, we have to stay home. So I can't go to the library. What about the movie theaters? What about Peter Piper pizza? What about San Diego? These are little experiences that we've been able to have as a family that have been meaningful to him. And when he heard that we got to stay home and these aren't experiences we can have, it really shook his world. And he was sad. He was crying in my arms and it gave me an opportunity to really comfort him and meet him where he was at. His lack of experience was what he was perceiving in this moment and what it was meaning for him. It wasn't my son being unaware of everyone else in this experience and people who are dying around us because of the virus. And his little world got smaller in that moment. And I was able to help him navigate that. And it was a, an experience I won't forget. Moments later, as we worked through this, he was out running outside and was okay and was able to rejoin his brother. But it was still an experience he had and helped shift a perspective he was having. And it wasn't my perspective, definitely different because my life experiences have been different and where I am as an adult, but his perception was real and true for him. And he needed to be honored in that way. As expectations are on the rise, for me, it has been an indicator in my home that it is time for a family meeting. And this might be a strategy that you want to start in your own family. I tend to find when I bring my children and my husband and all of us are in meeting together and trying to figure out what the new normal needs to look like, there's better buy-in. And I've shared that with you before, but we've had family meetings and we're on week four with our isolation schedule at home and what that looks like. And every week we have had to make adjustments. In fact, I have a child um, one of my older children that we've started talking about a possibility of earning money. So she gets to change um, the hat of being 
sibling to being babysitter and really help coordinate some of those efforts so mom can focus on some work. Every opportunity is a means for us to expand and to evolve and to become. And what better way to do that than as a family? So involving them in what is going on, what's working, what's not working helps a situation. And I am telling you, my children have been able to come up with solutions that I wouldn't have even thought of. And it's fun to try them out together and see what sticks and what doesn't and what needs to evolve, all of which is for our own learning and gaining experience. Sometimes we use expectations to control or demand the way we think someone should show up and be. Now, I don't want this to be confused with, you know, family rules or setting family expectations and standards, because as we have young families, there's some expectations that need to be communicated. And I think it's so important that we are taking the time to help manage those expectations through communication. When we have invisible expectations, that is where problems arise and feelings and emotions that um, come from that downward spiral are on a rise. And it's not an environment that we really want to cultivate in our family, at least not in the Porter household. And so ensuring that expectations have been communicated and that they are understood by having children repeat back what it is that they're understanding or what what meaning they're putting to a situation is really important. And it gives them a voice, that sense of belonging, that they're being heard. And that's meaningful. That's meaningful dialogue. One of the things that you may consider in your own homes and household is to help manage those expectations is what systems and routines do you have in place? And systems and routines require communication. I know that my children's age span vary. And so what I'm expecting or how to communicate to my four-year-old and to my 11-year-old is going to be different. And being able to manage that together is useful. If you tend to find what's going on in your home is frustrating and overwhelming, I would ask you to look and see what systems or routines do you have in place. And when you put in some of that structure, it may actually help. I want to spend a moment talking about what I see as the biggest invisible expectation. And it's something that we tend to apply to everyone that comes into our world, whether it be a neighbor or someone that we're grocery shopping with, a stranger that we're grocery shopping with. And this invisible expectation is they should know better and therefore do better. And it is a false expectation that we carry with us, that we really need to pull into the light and examine it for what it is. When we truly understand that it's our life experiences that help shape our perspective and our life experience is uniquely different for every person walking this planet, and therefore it would make our perspectives different as well, 
How is it that we get to decide whether or not someone is meeting a perceived mark that we've defined, that we've created based on our own experiences? We are all here experiencing this life. I'm going to say it again. I said this in prior episodes, but we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And we are here having this human experience to become who we were meant to be. And when we have this perceived mark based on our own life experiences that we are holding people to, it is truly unjust. And the only people we're hurting is ourself and those we are measuring to this perceived mark. Can we really qualify someone else's life experience to know whether or not they're knowledgeable enough or have had enough life experience to know better and therefore do better? Let me just share this. This is um, a tool that I have used. It's actually one that my mother has repeated, I think, for all my life. I can remember back when I was very young and my mom saying this to her children. It has actually become a real deep belief, a truth for me. And I share it with you in hopes that as you use this statement, it might help shift the way you see what others are doing. And this is everyone is doing the best they can for where they're at. And I personalize it to the situation. My husband is doing the best he can for where he's at. My children are doing the best they can for where they're at. I am doing the best I can for where I'm at. Let me just share this with you. At this place of at is ever changing. It ebbs and flows based on our life experiences and circumstances. I can share that as we have been home in isolation, that I have had, you know, my downward spiral self hijack in moments and circumstances that truly and sadly is me doing the best I can for where I'm at. And when I'm showing up on that downward spiral, you know, when I'm showing up in frustration, in anger, I am operating from a skill set that is is the best I have in that moment. And is it falling short? Yes, it really is because I am capable of doing more and better. But for where I'm at, it is the best I have. So when you can see people operating, and we don't know everyone's circumstances and situations and life experiences, but when we can believe that people are doing the best they can for where they're at, it really helps release those expectations of they should know better and therefore do better. Expectations are just resentments waiting to happen. When we are living in a place of resentment because of our expectations, invisible or not, but because of these expectations, we are only building more resentment up inside of us. When our hearts and our minds are full of resentment, love cannot reside. 
So until we can figure out how to release our expectations and measuring people to this perceived mark, it's really going to be challenging to lead from a place of love. It's time to evaluate if your expectations are serving you. And that's really the call to action this week. The call to action this week is be the observer of your expectations. And as you're seeing your expectations rise because of whatever the circumstance is or the situation is, pull that expectation into the light and really examine it. Examine if that expectation is serving you in your relationships, whether that relationship be with your spouse or with your children. Is it serving you? And if it's not serving you, drop it, let it go. Do the work to really release that expectation. And I'm going to share again the thing that I go to as my constant when I am dealing with expectations, and that is appreciation. When expectations, invisible or not, are rearing its ugly head, and it's causing me to show up in that downward spiral version of myself, it is time for me to examine whether or not it's serving. And if it's not, I'm turning it in for appreciation. I look for three things to appreciate the person that I have this expectation of and how they're showing up. Three things. I'm so appreciative for my husband and for his ability to provide and serve our family in the way in which he does. I'm appreciative that he is able to come home to our family after serving many people at a hospital in these times and situations and putting himself at risk of whatever may come. I am appreciative that my husband is a good man and father. And when I change my expectations of how I think he should be in the world of helpfulness or supporting me at home with our children, you know, when I flip that expectation on its head and exchange it for appreciation, it changes my world. And it is such a gift and a blessing. And I share that with you in hopes that it will serve you and your families. This life is about progress, not perfection. Awareness is the first step to becoming. Join me next week as we continue to change the lenses through which you see your relationships while becoming enlightened. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Relationships. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, then please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to help share this message with others.